1: Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth.
0: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. hello and welcome back to the locked on Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. I'm Jay King from masslive.com here with Sam Jam Packard. here with our daily show weekday show Monday through Friday. You know the drill. today we've got I don't it, it, this it's been a preposterous last day in Celtics coverage. Al Horford, for those of you who don't know and even for those of you who do, we'll give a little refresher. Al Horford had a baby daughter named Aaliyah, which before we go on, I love a man named Al naming his daughter Aaliyah. (laughs) And and you might think I'm kidding. My grandfather named Thomas named one of his daughters Thomasina. Ooh. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Al Horford naming his daughter Aaliyah, but the controversy here, it wasn't even a real controversy. It was, it was a fake controversy, all because Mike Felger, one of, like as much as people don't want to recognize it sometimes, as much as people it might irritate people, he is one of the most powerful, maybe the most powerful voice in Boston sports media. When, when he talks, people listen. And in this case, he was talking about how Al Horford, one day after his daughter's birth, should have left his family to go rejoin the Celtics in Miami and play the Miami Heat. Instead, like a normal person, like a person with a heart, like a person who loves his family and loves his new daughter. Horford stayed with his family, skipped the game against the Heat. They won it. The Celtics won anyway. It wasn't a big deal, but Felger said these comments, and it was kind of a shitstorm after that. Uh, Sam, Sam, what what would you make of what was your, what was your favorite takeaway? We'll go with most entertaining takeaway of the controversy.
1: I don't know, man. It might probably was uh, Anna Horford telling him to fuck off was uh, was mighty entertaining to me. Uh, this uh, she was a star. She was a star, by the way. Like she she's she a
0: great star on Twitter. She was slam dunking people who were tweeting at her about it, like just just completely owning anyone who <laughs> who, de- who, decided to say that, that Al Horford should have s- skipped out on his family. I-, I was a big fan of Ann Horford's Twitter feed throughout the last 24 hours.
1: Uh, she's already was a great follower. Last year during the playoffs, she got in a, a lot of Twitter beefs with Cavs fans, which are always fun because Cavs fans seem uh, especially salty. But my takeaway from the whole, I guess, dumb controversy is that it seemed like once it came out that Horford was missing the game, everyone um kind of who covers the Celtics was kind of bracing for outrage. And I didn't really see that much actual outrage out on Twitter. And it seems like Felger saw that everyone was like coming out hard in I don't even want to say in defense of Horford, but just like supporting Horford and did exactly what he does. I mean that there's a reason he's the most successful person, uh in radio and in sports in this region is because he's a troll and he's very, very good at it. Uh, and as someone who worked for two years in sports talk radio, this was a goldmine for him. I'm sure he had packed lines the entire day. Like he's, he knows exactly what he's doing. I really don't think he believed anything he was actually saying, but he got people upset. And uh, here we are talking about it. And the, it's going to continue tomorrow because Anna Horford's going on a uh, Denison Callahan. So it, First, uh, sports talk radio, people who are kind of the, this is a kind of a slow time where you're not going to spend four hours talking about the Patriots-Jets game. Why not create some more controversy and boom, you have yourself a topic.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it wasn't a real controversy. There was maybe a couple people on Twitter that thought Horford should have played and whatever. A couple idiots on Twitter say it. Who cares? Go on with your life. Doesn't matter. I still don't think it matters that Felger thinks it or at least said it. I'm not sure if he even thinks it, but the he, it, it was it was genius of of him in a way because on this day like like seriously that that's I'm sure that's all they talked about on the sports radio all day today it was was this fake controversy which started off with Al Horford being a father and doing something that almost any father would do. And that is staying with his family the day after his child was born, and then Felger spun it into him being mad, and then that got other people mad and then Anna Horford came flying <laughs> off the top ropes, and all of a sudden you have a complete non story and it becomes a national story. Sports Illustrated picked it up, Deadspin picked it up, and
1: content instead, man you gotta gotta have that content, gotta keep creating this I was hate that.
0: I hate that. So i I wrote this. I wrote a story about it once. I saw
1: Felger on TV, and I, I was, was almost mad. Just a mad cog at myself. in the machine, Jay. You're just a cog. You're in the in the content machine. You created this I was, story first.
0: I was almost mad at myself because, like, I I fed into it and I made it a bigger thing, but. At the same time, I was just appalled (laughs) (laughs) listening to the crap he was saying on the air. And I know he's a troll. I know he probably doesn't even mean the things that he said. And still, it it bothered me enough that I wrote a story about it. So blame me. (laughs) Blame everyone. Felger Felger put us all in his own little torture chamber. He, He threw us in the torture chamber. He dominated us. He got his story for the day. And he won. I mean, of everybody, I would say Anna Horford won the most because <laughs> she was great. And then Felger, he probably won the second most because he doesn't care that he gets bad attention. He just wants the attention. And he got plenty of it. He got people listening to him. He got people caring about a story that really wasn't a story at all.
1: You know what's the worst part is that this this is the most the Celtics uh... – are going to be talked about on sports talk radio in Boston. Some something not to do with anything on the court, just a dub issue. And after this kind of teeters out, then it's going to go back to not caring about them until at least, uh, the Danny Ainge trade rumors kind of creep back up, which they tried to do. Uh, I saw that on NBC sports. They were quoting a Steve Bullpet article saying that surprise, surprise, Danny Ainge is looking for a superstar to trade for. So it's just, it's just yeah. kind of disappointing. You wish, uh, you wish there was—oh, I, I guess I don't really live in Boston anymore, so I don't listen to Boston Sports Talk Radio. But that's why, if you want a good discussion of everything Celtics, you turn in to the Rating Jays and the Locked on Celtics podcast.
0: Honestly, this is going to sound seriously, like, completely egotistical of me. But the whole time I, I was listening to, to Felger talk, talk that crap, and, you know, you go on—as you said, Sports Radio, there's never any Celtics talk— And when it does, it's like these manufactured stupid stories. So uh, to me, like I I was, I was, I was listening, experiencing this whole crap. I was listening to Al Horford have to defend himself for going to his child, for being at his child's birth, and I, I was, I just thought afterwards, after the whole thing had settled settled in, I thought the world needs the Locked On Celtics podcast, man. (laughs) <laughs> the world needs us. Boston needs us. Like, like I, I say that like I'm, I'm half kidding. But at the same time, we give you, not only do we give you Celtics talk and hopefully in most cases informed Celtics talk, but we we say what we really feel.
1: And we give you opinions that we really believe. So I think that we're not trying are- to piss you off just so you listen. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's good. My biggest takeaway from this whole thing was uh, that it kind of felt like the Billy Madison speech, um, where we're all dumber for having experienced this, and may God have mercy on Felger's soul.
0: Yes. <laughs> may God have mercy on his soul. Uh, Nib high football rules! Nib high football rules. You know who d- d- does not rule is the Miami Heat, and... <laughs> That's The Miami Heat right are coached by Eric Spolstra. Apparently, in, during the fourth quarter of Monday night's game against the Celtics, Spolstra was calling out from the sideline. This is what Jay Crowder said at practice today. He said that Spolstra was calling out from the sideline that Marcus Smart was a hothead, suggesting that the Heat should try to get under his under his skin. and And it kind of worked, you know? Goran Dragic had a, probably an overly enthusiastic, intentional foul. Smart ended up with a technical foul. And to, to me, for, first of all, it's it's out of Eric Spolster's image, I would say, to call someone a hothead from the sideline. Like, there are some coaches I would absolutely believe they would call someone a hothead from the sideline. I'm, I'm struggling to come up with one right now. Um, Stan Van I, Gundy. Stan Van Gundy I feel he would probably call his own players hotheads (laughs) from the sideline. But yeah, Stan Van Gundy absolutely he 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 loses his mind. There are a lot of other but Spolstra to me, I never would have would have pinned him as a guy who would call a player a hothead from the sideline on the other team.
1: Well, he's he's not wrong. I mean it kinda it worked exactly uh kind of as he wanted. I I don't know too much about Spolstra's personality. I always just kinda thought of him as a Kind of in LeBron's shadow, um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily surprise me because I just imagine that players and coaches are kind of talking the the entire game and it's just a it's it, it's always interesting to hear what they have to say. Uh, so, I mean, he's he's kind of right. I, I, it's my, my question. I know you guys kind of talked about it last night about or yesterday. It's just about how Marcus Smart uh, reacts to that. And uh, if he has this reputation of a flopper and a hothead, how is that going to affect him moving forward? Our team's going to try and get under his skin. Um, it could be a problem, but uh, I don't really think so. I think this is a. a it's just. Inter- it's always interesting to hear kind of the pull back the curtain and see what uh, is going on actually on the court and behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like two or three times a year, Smart's temper comes up because normally his emotions are work out greatly for him. It's like he's out of his mind and it causes him to defend Paul Millsap in the playoffs or it causes him to strip someone in a preposterous situation like he did with Goran Dragic Monday night. It's just like every once in a while things boil over and he'll hit Matt Bonner in the nuts or he'll have like <laughs> some other mistake at an inopportune time. And it's just kind of it's just Marcus Smart, and and it, what what was interesting to me beyond the Spolster comment about that Jay Crowder thing was Crowder was saying that he and Smart have chats about how Smart needs to kind of mature and let his pride just push his pride aside because winning games matters more, and 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 we know. Winning games matters as much to Marcus Smart probably as anybody. That, that is the most competitive dude maybe in the NBA. <laughs> like there, there is nobody more competitive than that guy. And all he wants to do is win, but sometimes his, his, his fiery nature gets in the way of that quest. And, and it, the fiery nature is him trying to win and him trying to top these, these opponents. But in the heat of the battle... In in the heat of of competition, sometimes he he just loses himself in it, and and I get it. it it's just something that happens to to me. It's more egregious it's that damn shooting percentage. He is still <laughs> in year three, historically bad shooting right now for a, among all players who have taken at least ten field goal attempts per game. He's on pace to become the ninth the ninth to to have less than a forty five percent true shooting since 1980 which is like that's bad there was a lot of talk about him overhauling his jumper and and maybe it's just taking time but three years in and he hasn't made any progress as a shooter and score obviously he, he's improved in every other way he's helpful on the court regardless but to me like it's a much bigger issue that the shooting hasn't come around than it is that every once in a while he'll like judo chop someone or (laughs) or have a technical foul and it wasn't even really an inopportune time like they were up 11 points with two minutes left it really wasn't a big deal but
1: yeah yeah it's
0: it's the shooting man
1: yeah when I saw read that those kind of those last two lines of your your article about his his true shooting percentage I was shocked because to me, I guess it's just because nothing's really changed in his, his game or, uh, in terms of his shot, his, like his general offensive game has seemed to improve, uh, incrementally ever since he's been in the league. But when you think about those specific skills, it's, uh, passing out of the pick and roll or, uh, attacking the basket, or he, sometimes he has a, um, a nice floater, but the shot just really isn't, isn't falling. And it's, for all those stories about his form being corrected over the year and the slow motion videos we saw now he no longer has a hitch and now he's doing the, the two step before it. It's just kind of, it was, it's kind of foolish to like kind of think about how much attention we paid in. I don't know. It's one of the things that I, uh, I've been thinking about is, uh, ever since I read uh, Kevin O'Connor had an article for the ringer. Um, I think it was before the season, just talking about shot coaches and how it's kind of a new wave, uh, Taking over the league, and how some teams have like an individual guy whose only job is to work on everyone's shot. The Celtics do not employ uh, a shot coach. And now I'm not going to pretend to like say or know that if they hired a specific shooting coach, it would all, all of a sudden sm- solve the Marcus Smart woes. But something's got to be done if he, uh, he's going to take that next step as a player because you cannot have a true shooting percentage around 40%. It's just not. Not sustainable if you're going to want to be like a starter in this league for a long period of time it's just not good enough
0: yeah and and i think I think if if we had this conversation last year, we could talk about how up and down the roster maybe they needed a shooting coach because like jay Crowder he definitely improved last year but not a huge amount and you know Terry Rozier was a bad shooter there was a, there were a lot of guys that really i don't think last year had, had improved all that much from outside. Now you've got, you know, a- Avery Bradley's a knockdown shooter. Jay Crowder is shooting above 40% from beyond the arc. Terry Rozier in, in just a year plus has turned himself into a, a deadly shooter from outside. So there are a lot of guys on the Celtics roster who have improved without a shot doctor. So maybe this is just a Marcus Smart thing. And 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 maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the shot doctor because they have guys on their staff, like like Walter McCarty was a a good NBA shooter. They have Jay Laranega, who I believe graduated from college with the NCAA record for free throw shooting. He's an assistant coach, so they have very capable shooters and guys who have a lot of experience with with great great looking shots, great great form and know how to teach it. So, so so maybe it's just a Marcus Smart thing and I I do think as as much as anything else it's a sh- not as much as anything else, but a, a a big part of it is shot selection. Just just take it easy on the the ones early in the shot clock, take it easy on the off the dribble ones. And and some of them <laughs> Marcus Smart he always gets the ball in late shot clock situations, and other players will give up the ball. Marcus Smart will fire the shot, and it doesn 't matter if it 's a heave from seventy five feet he is going to fire it and and that 's part of him being a competitor trying to win doesn 't care about his shooting stats but you know when you look at the end of the day that that does hurt his true shooting percentage so he 's not actually i don 't think as bad a shooter as a quite as bad a shooter as a percentage to say. Because more than anyone else, he, he shoots those he's. I, I, I bet, I don't know what the stats say, but he has to be close to the league lead for most like 40-plus foot threes at the end of the quarter.
1: <laughs> that, if any uh, kind of entrepreneurial listener out there really wants to go back and track, maybe go to NBA Wowie, let's get that data out there. Let's really see who leads the league in uh, attempts at the end of the quarter over 40 feet. Because if Marcus Smart's the leader, then J King, you deserve a raise. Because that's if a brilliant. He, observation. If he's not the
0: leader, I'll be shocked. I I feel like Stephen Curry shoots a lot of those, and or maybe it's just he makes a lot of those. So I feel like he shoots a lot of those. But I mean, Marcus Smart leads the Celtics by a huge margin. Like <laughs> it is always Marcus Smart firing three pointers at the end of quarters. Every single time, it is Marcus Smart, and and it it's comical because he doesn't give a damn about his shooting percentage. A lot of guys will catch it and let the clock go out and then like kind of throw it up after the buzzer. He he doesn't do that. He is firing before the buzzer <laughs> and he is giving it a shot. And and they always miss because <laughs> because <laughs> that's what that's what 70-foot heaves do. No matter who shoots them except Stephen Curry because he's not really human. But that those hurt his true shooting percentage a lot. Um he he's still not a good shooter, but but that that definitely doesn't help <laughs> help his case. Anyway, we've talked enough about Marcus Smart shooting. We've talked enough about his attitude. It those things haven't changed. It's three years now, and it's the same thing on on, on both fronts. Really, let's do the mystery machine, man. So so this let's is get to it. This is a segment where, where we're trying to do it weekly, and what we're doing is we're picking five guys to ride in the mystery machine and. <laughs> That's, we started it because Jalen Brown, over the summer, tweeted out a picture of himself with the mystery machine, and I think he asked who should ride with me, and so we, we have made it our mission to determine who should ride on Jalen Brown's mystery machine. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest
1: LTE network.
0: I'm going with Aaliyah Horford, man. <laughs> oh, Aaliyah, Aaliyah Horford, get her in that baby seat. Pr- get Get her, get her in there. Put her in the back seat. Get, give her, give her a little baby bottle. I don't even know if she's old enough for a baby bottle. I don't know how that works.
1: I don't right. even know if she's old enough to be in a car. Like, to, I mean, I guess she has to come home from the hospital. It just seems like a a dangerous proposition. But I'm with you. She deserves it. She's been through a lot in the past two we'll, days. We'll be, we'll
0: be very safe, precious cargo, and all that. But you know her, her. Her life is is a beautiful thing, and I, I think everyone should appreciate that, and and I know that everyone in the Mystery Machine will appreciate that. So, Aaliyah Horford is she's she's the number one in the in the Mystery Machine, and I guess we'll put Al in there because she's going to need a parent.
1: Yeah, she's definitely going to need a chaperone. Um, we're definitely going to need to buy a baby on board sticker just so the drivers around us know how to stay safe. Uh, and stay a a safe distance from the Mystery Machine. But I think those are two solid picks. And uh, outside of this whole scandal, Al Horford deserves to be in just for his uh, ability as a basketball player. Uh, I think it's uh, for his second Mystery Machine since he's been back, but just his impact uh, on the court has been uh, amazing, and it's just been really fun to to watch him play basketball. So even if he wasn't uh, his person or his decision to – If he wasn't attacked by the vicious Michael Felger, I think he would uh, he would earn a spot uh, no matter what.
0: There we go. So we've got we've got the Horfords. Let's throw Anna in. Let's put the whole Horford family, man. Like like they'll only count as as one seat, I guess. We'll get like. (laughs) Can can we get a hitch for them? Like, is is there something where we could add more seats? I don't know. I I don't know how we're gonna.
1: we might have to have a caravan where uh, they have a whole minivan that goes in front of the mystery machine, kind of leads the way. Um, we'll, I you think know we what? also we'll have put them in a limo because they deserve a limo. I think we also have to shout out um, Al Horford's other daughter because she's definitely not getting as much attention as she deserves. It's, uh,
0: it's actually a son, so yes, he oh. is definitely not getting the attention he
1: deserves. So yeah, because I didn't need- know he's, he's a son. I didn't even know his gender but I think we need a uh, he needs to be in the band too basically the whole Horford clan can uh, hop in the the mini or the limo maybe a stretch mini that sounds like a fun idea
0: yeah we got we got the Horfords in in the limo and who who else deserves it I'm gonna go with Jay Crowder because he's finally started to get healthy and I, I think the last couple of games against San Antonio and then against the Miami Heat He really, like, he's starting to look like himself again. He had, you know, one of those takes where he just goes straight to his right and finishes and one. That's probably my favorite Jay Crowder thing that he does is when he just puts his head down and sweeps through and goes right and finishes with an and one off the glass. So he's back to doing that. He's back healthy. His minutes restriction is gone. Jay Crowder, welcome to the mystery van.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important point is his ability to draw fouls. Uh, And it's definitely something that the Celtics need to work on. And as he gets healthier, uh, I think he was the second best person in terms of that after Isaiah last year. So uh, just him being more of an offensive presence is going to be helpful for the Celtics. And you're right, it's good now that he's a a little bit healthier because when he first came back this first couple of games, uh, he did not look great and he did not look explosive, but – for long stretches of the last year, I was arguing that he was the kind of the most valuable player on the Celtics just because he was what he contributed on offense and defense. So, uh, yeah, come on down, Jay. Uh, Mystery Machine right. is yours.
0: Now now your turn, baby.
1: You, this one's obvious. Uh, Swedish Larry Bird, Jonas Derebko's is having himself a week. He is hot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is... He's throwing up sky hooks off the glass. He's leading the team in corner threes, I believe. Uh, And he's doing it super efficiently. He's just – I think he's hit like – this is not entirely accurate, but I think it's like 44 of his last 60 shots. Uh, So he's not like taking that many shots. But when he does, he's making threes. And he's just giving you the traditional kind of hustle plays that he's known for, whether that be tip-ins, offensive rebounds, diving on the floor, playing good defense. Jonas is uh, – being a very good role player, I even saw some talk on Twitter of uh, uh, maybe sliding him into the starting lineup to kind of try and give the uh, give the offense a jolt or maybe kind of change around the rotations. And it's a it's an experiment that uh, it would be it's it'd be exciting to see him play with the kind of that starting lineup in uh, at, with that Horford, Crowder, Bradley, and Isaiah Thomas, just because he gives you the kind of the spacing that. Um, that we wanted to see earlier in the year. I mean, it's kind of him and Kelly O'Linick are very similar in that role, but uh, I'm kind of not really sold on the, uh, the Amir Johnson starting right now, and I think he might be uh, better served as kind of the de- defensive anchor of the second unit. So who knows if it's Jonas that will step into that role, but it would certainly be, uh, it'd be interesting to see.
0: I am going to take a completely different tone about the starting lineup. The starting lineup has been magnificent. The starting lineup is one of the five best high-usage high lineups in the entire NBA. They are outscoring teams by 15.4 points per 100 possessions. A lot of people have complained about Amir Johnson, and I get it. He, he hasn't always been great. Sometimes he doesn't play with the physicality you'd want. He's not, always, he's not a great rebounder, whatever. With, with Al Horford, Amir Johnson... Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, and Isaiah Thomas, the Celtics have been killers. And and some of that is they the the teams they've played with that starting lineup. But they, they ran off a huge run against the Spurs. Earlier in the season, they ran off a huge run against the Charlotte Hornets, another good team. So I am completely against switching up the starting lineup. I know over the summer I wanted Kelly Olynyk, and I still do think Kelly Olynyk with Al Horford – and the rest of those starters will be a dynamite lineup and i think they should use that more often but the starting lineup has been great man so i i am very against you there very very against you there um who who else who's my next pick for the
1: it's tough know, because sure. you just you don't want to put isaiah in there every single week because then he just basically owns the vehicle but he's he beat, he deserves it
0: but he, yeah, he owns the vehicle. I'm, I'm going to go with Kelly Olynyk because oh,
1: you don't have to convince me. You saw that positional defense he played in Miami it was fan fucking tastic.
0: Yep, and, and and the bench kind of kind of needed that jolt. the The bench hasn't always been good, so they need Olynyk to kind of be himself again. Last last year, when he was healthy before the the shoulder injury, he was a real difference maker for them, and. He hasn't always been that this year, but against Miami, you know th- there were a few frustrated moments where he did that whole Kelly Olenek pump fake out of a wide open jumper thing, but he still took advantage of Hassan Whiteside who didn't really want to guard him. He took advantage of Miami's other bigs. So Kelly Olenek has earned himself. Uh, a, it's a tentative spot. Like he he still needs to continue playing well, but he's on the mystery machine for now.
1: I mean, I. I'm all for Kelly Olynyk being on the mystery machine, and he's—we've seen his kind of his point totals increase in the past three games. He's getting around that 10 points a game average, where I kind of thought he'd be uh, before the season. Uh, he's rocking the man bun again, which I'm all for. So come on down, And he Kind of just looks like Shaggy, uh, so it's kind of is a natural fit for him. Now,
0: <laughs> it's definitely a natural fit. So do we have one more spot? Uh, yeah, because I, I don't know. We, we got War- We got a.
1: We got a gaggle of Horfords right now.
0: But with the gaggle Horfords, they're they're in a separate limo I think we have one more spot
1: okay so the number five uh spot in the mystery machine uh, this is a tough one. no one really immediately stands out. I feel like we have to rule out Marcus smart uh, because we just spent the past two podcasts talking entirely about him uh, and I just don't want to talk about him anymore Avery Bradley's kind of the the kind of the quiet killer uh. But you know what I need some more pizzazz for my fifth spot. It's definitely not going to be Tyler Zeller. Uh I think by process of elimination that leaves Terry Rozier as the final the final piece unless you have a, a better idea. I don't really have a, much of a justification for Rozier. I think he's been uh, he's been pretty good. Uh he's been shoots well off the ball, but he's still not a greatest uh greatest playmaker, but uh, if you've got any better suggestions, I'd love to hear them.
0: Terry Rozier works, man. I, I was, I was grasping for anything when I, when I went with Linux. So I I kind of <laughs> said we had one more spot left just, just to see you flail around.
1: <laughs> and and I, it, well done Jay. Cause you, you accomplished your goal.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yes. That, that was, that was nice. That, that's how we podcast. You know, we, we try to make each other look worse. You know, we should be lifting each other up, but sometimes, sometimes we want to set each other up to fail. Uh yeah, and and that is the mystery machine. That was that was fantastic segment, and I, I guess that that's the podcast, man. So the 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 moral of this this podcast is: do not overreact to Mike Felger. Do not just just let him be, Ugh. because because there are not a lot of people who thought what he did, but he he's got a powerful voice in boston in Boston. And in this case, it was a very annoying voice, so try not, try not to pay attention to Mike Felger when he's talking about the Boston Celtics. Listen to us instead. Search for the Locked On Celtics podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. Tweet us with the hashtag Jays no G, and... That's about it, man. This this has been a fantastic episode. Actually, <laughs> it was not fantastic. <laughs> there wasn't a lot to talk about, but we we got the we got the Horford stuff off our chest. Ooh, we are we are happy for the Horford family. Congrats to the Horford family. It is, it is a beautiful thing to have a child and and to be able to be there is just just fantastic. So thank you for listening to this edition of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Eligible trade in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.